This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Our second reading comes from Jeremiah, a prophet. We will be looking at the life and words of Jeremiah, who wrote this book, Jeremiah, that was edited over time, along with the writing of In Lamentation. Our reading is chapter 1, the first five verses. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of King Josiah, son of Ammon of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It, the word, came also in the days of King Jehoiakim, son of Josiah of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of King Zedekiah, son of Josiah of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Let's pray. Lord, we would like you to take words that are very old and make something new that is from you that we actually hear with our whole being so that we may participate in this journey of life that leads us to the cross and your resurrection. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a season of loss for me. Jim and I were in Spokane, Washington. I had lost another pregnancy. My father was in the early stages of Alzheimer's, and my sister had just died of cancer, leaving two young children. This is not the story I wanted to live, and I felt myself thrust into darkness. There was a woman in the church who, seeing the tears in my eyes, came over to me with this big grin and honey-toned words. She said, you shouldn't be crying. You should be happy. Your sister has graduated into heaven. Now, her words were intended to cheer me up, but they actually shut me down. I needed permission to lament. There was no happy spin to the story I was in. Jerry Sitzer, our neighbor, understood. Years earlier, he had lost his wife, his daughter, 
and his mother in a head-on collision from a drunk driver. And it thrust Jerry into deep darkness, deep grief. From that, he wrote a best-selling book on grief titled A Grace Disguised. And it was Jerry's doubt and his disorientation in his faith. It was his tears that comforted me much more than cheerful words from a church member. It is a paradox that it is through lament that we recover hope. And it is through this trail of tears that we find joy again. Today, I would like in those five verses to look at God's story in Jeremiah, God's story in you, and the place of lament in Jesus. God's story in Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah was born three miles north of Jerusalem in a small town, Anathoth. He was the son of a Jewish priest, and it was about a hundred years before his birth that the northern tribes of Israel, Israel and Judah, had been split after King David. And the northern tribes were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And they are called the lost tribes of Israel. They disappeared. What's remaining are two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, in the nation of Judah with Jerusalem as its capital. When the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, it was the year 627 B.C., the king was Josiah, and it was this word that came into Jeremiah's ear that he began to speak because the word continued to come for more than 40 years under a succession of kings all the way up until Judah itself was taken captive, exile into Babylon. When the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, do you know what God said? Verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you prophet to the nations. These three phrases I want us to remember. I knew I consecrated, I appointed. When God says he knows, he really knows. He was intimately acquainted with Jeremiah when he was still being knit together in his mother's womb. You may be familiar with Psalm 139. Verse 16 reflects this. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your books were written all the days of my life, the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. If God knew Jeremiah, God knows you in this same way. He knows 
what you have been through. And he knows what you are experiencing now. This kind of turns things around, don't you think? We may believe that we are thinking about God, and it turns out that God is thinking about us. We may be wondering if God is so important, and yet we find that God has singled us out for his redemption plan. God knew Jeremiah, and God knows you. The second thing that God said is, I consecrated you. That word consecrate means I set you apart. That's what the word saint means. When we read the epistles and hear that we're saints, this is we're set apart for God's purposes. People are set apart for special purposes of God. We know what it's like to have dishes that are set apart for special occasions that we pull out time and again. Jeremiah was set apart, consecrated for God's special mission to speak the word to God's people so that they might turn back to him. It was in 1862, during the Civil War, when Abraham Lincoln was growing increasingly upset by General McClellan's inactivity. Despite McClellan having superior numbers over the Confederate Army, Lincoln wrote his general a one-sentence letter. It read, if you don't use the army, I should like to borrow it a while. That's because McClellan was not doing what he was set apart to do. Therefore, Lincoln was prepared to choose another. Israel was failing in being an ambassador of God in the world. Therefore, God chose another, Jeremiah. The third thing that God said to Jeremiah is, I appointed you. That word appointed is the word to give. Before you were born, I gave you. I gave you a way as a prophet to the nations. God gave Jeremiah a way for the sake of others. Eugene Peterson reminds us that this is God's way. God did it with his own son, Jesus. He gave him away. He gave him to the nations. He did not keep Jesus on display as a trophy. That's because God is generous. He's lavish. And God gave Jeremiah for the sake of others. And God will do the same thing with you and with me. He will give us to the world for his name's sake. Now, how did this impact Jeremiah's life? Well, it was difficult. His life was severely difficult. Nothing that God gave Jeremiah to say was well received. People either ridiculed him or they wished him dead. I think of Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader today. He speaks truth to power, 
But nothing about Navalny's life is easy. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because of what he experienced. He grieved over the wickedness of his nation and God's impending judgment. In chapter 8, verses 21 through 22, Jeremiah says, For the hurt of my poor people, I am hurt. I mourn, and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? This balm was a, an aromatic resin that came from shrubs in the region. And it was used for medicinal purposes. And Jeremiah is saying, is it, is it that there's no remedy with God available when there are so many people hurting and so much suffering? Why? How did God's story impact Jeremiah? I find the best mental image comes from Oswald Chambers. He, he says that Jeremiah, like saints, which are set-apart people, are, are like this. A saint's life is in the hands of God as a bow and arrow in the hands of an archer. God is aiming at something the saint cannot see. He stretches and strains, and every now and again the saint says, I cannot stand it anymore. But God does not heed. He goes on stretching until his purpose is in sight, and then he lets fly. God uses Jeremiah to hit the target. In the eyes of the world, Jeremiah looked like a failure. But in the eyes of God, Jeremiah reveals the path taken by God's own son to the cross. What do you want your life to reveal? What are you living for? I don't know. Is it greater riches is it happiness? Is it longer life? Cheaper chicken? Are you living for something that cannot last? Or are you living in order that God would be revealed in your life, even in the worst of times? What are you living for? Let's look at God's story in you. We heard Jesus' words from John 15, 16. He said, you did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, which the Father will give you in my name. Now, did you hear that? Choose, consecrate, appointed, given away. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have been baptized in his name, you are like Jeremiah. You are written into God's great redemptive story. And no one else can fill your part in that story. There is no 
substitute for you. The devotional book, Jesus Calling by Sarah Young, has been read by more than six and a half million people since it was published in 2004. Do you know Sarah's story? While she was still a young mother, she was diagnosed with two different infections related to Lyme's disease. And she suffered chronic pain. And her weakness was incapacitating. What grieved her so much is that she couldn't do the things that mothers, wives normally do for their family in a household. She has suffered from chronic dizziness for years. Sarah did not choose her story. It's not what she wanted, but God chose Sarah. He consecrated her, and he gave her to this world for our sakes, for his glory. Just as God chose Jeremiah, just as God chose you. Listen to what Sarah Young says. These are her words. I am convinced that if I had been healthier, I would not have been able to write this book. It chronicles my journey from discouragement to hope. There seems to be a sense of hopelessness creeping into many people's mindsets as they look at problems in their lives and in the world. But the hope we can find in the Bible is a sturdy reality no matter what is happening in our lives or in the world. Do you want God's story to be expressed through your life? It will involve suffering. Jesus says it happens to all who follow him. Another Christian author, Wesley Hill, in his book, Washed and Waiting, talks about the time when he felt like his life was caving in. He needed to talk to another Christian brother. And after pouring out his heart, his friend said, Wes, imagine yourself standing in the presence of God, looking down from heaven on the earthly life you're about to be born into. And God says to you, Wes, I'm going to send you into the world for 60, 70, 80 years. It will be hard. In fact, it will be more painful and confusing and distressing than you can now imagine. You will have a thorn in your flesh. It's a result of your entering a world of sin and death. And you may wrestle with it all your life. But I will be with you. I will be watching every step you take, guiding you by my spirit supplying you with grace sufficient for each day. At the end of your journey, you'll see my face again, and the joy we share will be born out of the agonies you faithfully endured by the power I gave you. No one will take away that joy. Turning to Wesley, the friend said, would you say yes to the journey if you had had that conversation with God? Wes nodded, yes. But you have had it, said his friend. 
in a sense. God is the author of your story. He is watching, supplying you with spirit, moment by moment. Like Wes, we must answer ourselves. Do we want to say yes to the journey with God that is our story with God? If so, we must have a place for lament. Let's look. Let's look at lament, this road with Jesus to the cross. We have to have permission as Christians. About a third of the Psalms, 150 of them, are uh, 150 Psalms, about a third are laments. But 70% of all the words in all the Psalms contain lament. And yet, in Christian contemporary songs, 0% have lament of those that are the most popular. We need to hear in church that we have permission to lament, to mourn, to mourn our loss and cry out in pain. That's the only way that we're able to actually stay with Jesus as he goes to the cross. Jesus' cross was unjust. He suffered emotionally and physically. He died, crying out to the Father by whom he felt forsaken. Christian writer Jill Caratini writes, The Christian story holds a unique capacity for tears because the story itself is filled with tears. It is this God who gives us permission to utter the words in the pits of our stomachs and the Spirit who helps us groan them as we follow the risen one who once cried, I am deeply grieved even unto death. Brothers and sisters, like Jeremiah, we are called, we are consecrated, and we are given away for God's purposes. It will hurt at times. We will be stretched in ways we think we cannot sustain. Therefore, we cry out in lament. And when we do, we are heard. We are always heard. We're always received. And we find the grace given to us to live the life we are called to. Therefore, let us run to the Father and fall in his grace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there is a balm in Gilead. His name is Jesus. Let us pray. Jesus, as we hear these words and think of our own lives and our own story, we pray that 
you would remind us that if you're stretching us, that you have a purpose and that we can say, ouch, help, Lord, save. Lord, where are you? We can cry out our doubts and our needs. And you will always, always fulfill your purpose and receive us home with rejoicing. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.